how her sister Mary was a pastor's wife in the Central African Republic. Tragically, her pastor husband was killed for his faith. When a VOM visitor arrived just a few days after Mary lost her husband, he was struck to see on her face and in her family the peace that passes understanding. There was a big smile on her face, and she was just thankful that she had more visitors. There was sorrow over the loss of her husband. There was also a lot of joy. And she, she recalled memories of um, Jean-Paul, and, and she would smile and just, you know, fond memories. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. The Day of the Christian Martyr is coming up on June 29th. Each year, the Voice of the Martyrs highlights the story of an individual who gave their life serving the Lord. We're going to share some of that story later in the program. But first, Cole Richards, the president of the Voice of the Martyrs, will tell us more about this annual tradition. Cole, first of all, what is the Day of the Christian Martyr? The Day of the Christian Martyr is one of the things we do at the Voice of the Martyrs to uh, make sure that today's Christians can be inspired by those who came before us. We have this rich legacy of all those you read about in Scripture and throughout church history who have faithfully served the Lord. And so this day is just one of the ways in which we want to create awareness and understanding of this rich legacy of those who have came before us. And I know online, uh, persecution.com slash martyr, we have resources, we have a video, we have some PowerPoint slides, we've got some discussion questions, and even a sermon outline. What's the use case? Uh, I mean, what do you want people to do with these resources and do with the idea of the day of the Christian martyr? Well, first, I really hope that people understand that our Christian faith is not just a bunch of ideas or teachings. It's about relationships. So first and foremost, it's our relationship with our Creator, with Almighty God. But then it's about relationship with our Christian family. And these are eternal relationships. We'll spend eternity with the other members of the body of Christ. And so in our magazine every month, we're talking about the members of our family who serve and live today. Uh, but on the day of the Christian martyr in some of our books and other media, um, we take a chance to look at those who have come before us these are eternal relationships that we have. These are also brothers and sisters in Christ that we will have for eternity. And there is a richness in that. So really we want to draw people into the richness of the larger body of Christ, not just those who are living presently, but the larger body of Christ, including those who have come before us. And it's really inspiring. It, it's a tremendously uplifting and inspiring. It makes us strong. It gives us courage to be connected with these brothers and sisters in Christ from the past. I love the the illustration the Bible uses of a great cloud of witnesses that are kind of cheering us on, literally. And in these times, we uh, maybe we understand the value of cheering people on more because we're not allowed to do it right now. Um, but, but the idea that these are people who can inspire us and can cheer us on, 
when when somebody walks out of their service, let's let's say they go to their small group and they've watched the video and they've had this discussion, or you know they've heard their pastor preach about it, maybe show the video in their service. What do you want them to walk out the door with? How, how do you want them to be different when they leave that conversation? Yeah, I hope that people will feel it deep in their hearts. So I'll, I'll apply it to myself personally. I'm tremendously strengthened by the thought about the reality that I am a brother with Richard Wormbrand. Uh, I'm a brother with the Apostle Paul. I'm a brother with Pastor John Paul, who we're commemorating this year and adding to the Martyrs Memorial. It's something important to think about this. And that brotherhood I just described with these wonderful, faithful saints throughout all time, this is something that will never end. So there's almost no more encouraging thought. I mean, the first encouraging thought is that I'm a son of the living God. No matter how I feel today, no matter what's gone wrong for me, no matter how I've messed up, I am a son of the living God for all eternity. But then the second thought that goes right with that is that I'm part of this family of God for all eternity. And there's a richness in understanding and to getting to know the other members of this family that I'm describing. From all times, from all nations, we have this wonderful family that we're a part of. We should really, really want to press into that and to understand that. And I promise that every minute of effort, everything that you read, every film that we watch to enter into an understanding of this Christian family that I'm describing, it will greatly encourage us. It will do a lot for us. So as you said, if, if you watch our short film for Day of the Christian Martyr, or if you read any of our media, or if you pick up a copy of our book, Fox, Voices of the Martyrs, any of these things that get us in touch with those who have come before us, it will matter. It, it will mean a lot. It's not a history lesson. It, it's not like reading about interesting people from history. It's meeting your eternal brothers and sisters in Christ, and that's a powerful experience. Absolutely, and, and an inspiring experience as well. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Cole Richards. He is the president of the Voice of the Martyrs. Cole, last year we honored the Gronwald family who were martyred in Afghanistan. Their story was widely, widely told. It had been reported in the international press. There had been interviews. There had been, you know, TV news about it. Pastor John Paul is sort of on the completely other end of the spectrum as far as hardly anybody's heard of him. Maybe his story would have gone really untold. Why is it important that Voice of the Martyrs is a part of telling that story as well, telling the story of somebody that maybe none of us would have ever heard of apart from this Day of the Christian Martyr commemoration. It's really important that our goal isn't to create a cult of hero worship. So uh, God gets all the glory. Um, all the glory and honor and praise is only to our God. But the scripture teaches us that we're supposed to be inspired by the examples of faith one to another. So some Christians are exemplary. They, they just really are. And I often worry that in our culture here in the U.S., we're not looking at the right examples or we're not looking at the best examples. One illustration of what I'm talking about is there are many of us alive today who are a good example of Christian faith, but we're not the best examples. Uh, Pastor John Paul, who we're commemorating this year, and the Gronwald family that we uh, added to our Martyrs Memorial last year, 
Uh, these are some of the best examples we could follow. They really are. Uh, and, and we're meant to do that. So again, it's not to worship them or to give them honor that we should be ascribing to our Lord. However, they are really good examples to us. And when we think about their stories, it's like looking in a mirror and we start to understand ourselves better. And it's not a condemnational thing. It's not that I think of a story of someone who's given so much for, for their faith and has stood firm and that makes me feel bad about myself. It's not like that at all because there is therefore no condemnation for those who uh, are in Christ Jesus, but their example inspires. So it's an uplifting thing. It's, it's this richness I'm describing of being part of the family with, with men and women like, like this, these, these wonderful examples. I think that sometimes we, uh, we miss it because we're thinking about ideas. And people honestly aren't as, as powerfully inspired by ideas as they are by stories and exemplary individuals. It's just absolutely true. So the, the movies, the books, the things that are inspiring people the, the most at a deep level are true stories. Uh, and that's what God's given us in Scripture, and that's what he's also given us in church history and in fellowship with other believers today are these inspiring examples. You know, I think God has programmed us some way to respond to stories. Uh, my my favorite example is after David sinned with Bathsheba and Nathan went to confront David. Well, he didn't confront him about his sin. He told him a story. <laughs> and David said, you know, that man must die. And then he said, well, by the way, you're that man. So uh, I think we do have that innate response to stories. Somehow they they grab us. The other thing that I'm inspired by in, in the story of Pastor John Paul, as well as the story of the Gronwald family, is the long-term faithfulness. You know, Pastor John Paul was martyred in 2017, and, and we honor him on the day of the Christian martyr because on that one day he laid down his life. But he planted that church in 1993, and he served faithfully for all those years between then. The same with the Gronwalds. You know, they went to Afghanistan more than 10 years before they were killed. They served all those days at risk of martyrdom. Talk a little bit about how 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 that faithfulness matters and how that leads directly into the willingness in in that moment of of testing, that willingness to say, sure, I'll lay down my life. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, we don't ever want to sensationalize the moment of someone's death. That's not how our faith works. Our faith is a walk of discipleship and faithfulness that includes being willing to pay the ultimate price. But when someone pays the ultimate price by giving their life, it's not it's not what happened in the moment of their death that really counts. It's all the uh, faithfulness and faithful service and preparation that preceded that. Just as you said, uh, the Gronwalls last year that we uh, inducted into the Martyrs Memorial and represented on the day of the Christian martyr, they were so special because they went to Afghanistan immediately following the September 11th attacks. Their response to the September 11th attacks uh, the, the, this terrible uh, terrorist incident was to understand the lostness that was behind those attacks, and they went as missionaries to reach Afghans as a result of that. And then faithfully serving in Afghanistan for more than a decade led to them being killed, but it's not the moment of their death that's the most impressive thing. The most impressive thing, an exemplary thing, isn't that they died, it's that, that, it's that they were willing to go 
and they were willing to stay there uh, for more than 10 years. In spite of, and we've had Hana Lee on VOM Radio, in spite of the fact that members of their own family told them, there's no way God would be calling you to go to Afghanistan. That that doesn't even make sense. God wouldn't do that. But they went and, and faithfully served. Yeah, it was. that's the thing to think about is, you know, think about where you were the moment after the September 11th attacks. It's really interesting for me because I was serving in the military as an officer, as an Air Force officer, when that happened. Uh, but everyone has their own story about what they were thinking and where they were when the September 11th attacks happened. So think about how you responded, then think about how the Gronwalds responded from an eternal perspective, from a kingdom of God perspective. Uh, it was so counterintuitive. It, it was the opposite thought that everyone had. They had a very successful, comfortable life as a medical doctor uh, and spouse. That They had a perfect upper class, upper middle class uh, life and career. They left all that to go reach lost Muslims in Afghanistan after the September 11th attacks. Similarly, John Paul, that we're talking about this year, he served for decades in an area where it wasn't just possible that he would be attacked or killed. It was the reasonable expectation. Uh, why would someone go to Afghanistan like that? Why would someone stay in the Central African Republic during a civil war like John Paul did for decades, serving in a frontier mission area that turned into a war zone? Why would they do that? It's because they have an eternal perspective. It's because they're obedient to Christ, honestly, in some times, in some ways that we're not, because we're, we're looking at the temporal world. And these are examples of people who are looking at God's eternal kingdom and living accordingly. These are great examples for us. That's the inspiration that we hope that people walk away from Day of the Christian Martyr with, is that eternal perspective and that understanding that any sacrifice is worth it. Any sacrifice is actually a win. It's a good trade uh, to trade for the eternal kingdom. Talk a little bit about the Voice of the Martyrs work, because we do go into these countries. We do meet with the widows or the families left behind and even help them. So talk a little bit about how VOM responds to a situation like Pastor John Paul being killed in Central African Republic. Yeah, we should praise God that he established an arm of help for persecuted Christians by using Richard and Sabina Wormbrand more than 50 years ago to create not just one organization, but a family of organizations that today operates around the world to be an arm of help and service for the persecuted members of the body of Christ. So praise God that there is a, a way that people like uh, John Paul's widow are comforted in their time of loss and helped with practical assistance in their time of loss. That's what we're doing at the Voice of the Martyrs. So we're, we're a very specialized frontier missions organization in the sense that we come to these missions frontiers and do very specific things. One of those specific things is to minister to our suffering brothers and sisters. We're really not trying to eliminate their suffering. They're suffering for the cause of Christ. They're suffering because God's at work in the world uh, and is doing so with eternal consequence. But it is absolutely appropriate and even necessary that since these are our Christian family members, our family members for eternity, that we do anything we can do to serve them in their time of great need, to help them advance God's kingdom, basically just to show them human kindness and brotherly, sisterly uh, love in their difficult situations. 
Cole, as we finish up, let's talk about praying because we try to equip VOM radio listeners to be prayer warriors on behalf of persecuted Christians. A family like Pastor John Paul's, and this he was killed in 2017, but there have been pastors killed literally within the last month. Uh, I think of one just in northern Nigeria, just very recently. Him and his wife were killed. How do we pray for their families and their their church families that are there close and see this and are impacted by it? Yeah, I want to challenge people to pray on two two levels. One level is pray for the need that exists. So when a pastor is is martyred. Uh, and leaves behind a widow and children. In, in uh, Pastor John Paul's case, many children and grandchildren that, that he's left behind. We need to feel the human emotion of our brothers and sisters in Christ as they suffer well for God's glory. We need to f- enter into their suffering by imagining what it feels like to be them, and then that leads us to pray for them and also understand how we could help and serve them. That's one level that our prayers, one direction our prayers need to take. The other direction they need to take is the big picture of what God's doing in the world and the things that are of eternal consequence. So that leads to things like this. It, it leads to praying for the widow and, and the orphan children and really uh, understanding what their needs uh, are that could be met. And those prayers lead to action. You know, when we talk to God about our brothers and sisters and their needs, God will speak to us about what part we can play in meeting those needs. So that's one direction our prayers should take. But the second direction they should take is to pray for the strategic activity of the advancement of God's kingdom that these people were a part of and that they still are a part of because we're meant to engage with that as well. So a a good uh, analogy would be to pray for the the spouse of a, uh, a soldier that was killed in a battle or in a war, and then secondly, to pray for the uh, righteous objectives of the war. Well, that, that's like us. We, we're going to pray for the, the widow and, and serve her, but then we're also going to pray for the advancement of God's eternal kingdom in that place, because that's why these men gave their lives that we're talking about. Uh, Pastor John Paul gave his life to maintain a witness for Christ in a place that was being overrun by Islamists. Uh, that's because he was in touch with this bigger picture that I'm describing, these more important uh, objectives that count for eternity. So yeah, I, I hope that our, prayer, our prayers take both those directions. Some people are naturally inclined towards the big picture of the gospel's advance, and then other people are more inclined towards the pastoral care uh, for the suffering. Really, each of us as a member of the body of Christ, we need to have both those thoughts. We need to be good brothers and sisters, uh, with those who and stand with them as they suffer, but then we also need to be good brothers and sisters and stand with them as they advance God's kingdom. The church historian Tertullian famously said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Uh, pastor John Paul was one of six pastors who was killed in Central African Republic in just about a six-week span. So, so there was a lot of blood of the martyrs. Are we seeing that as the seed of the church? Is the church in Central African Republic healthy, growing? What's happening spiritually there now? Yeah, it's, it's a really important point that studying the Scripture and all of church history, that what we refer to as missions frontiers, the places where the gospel isn't present or is just barely getting into these areas, 
there's almost no exception to, to this, so it is the rule. The rule through all of church history is that there's been tremendous suffering, difficulty, death, sickness, effort, you know, just a tremendous exertion of effort and a huge price that's been paid to open up any new missions frontier in the world ever. Part of getting people to enter into these stories is we want to explain that that's true, that this world is a battlefield. It, it's a spiritual battle, and we're going to have to be willing to pay a price to exert ourselves to win, to accomplish these eternal objectives, and that's how it's always worked. So, so yeah, John Paul is a perfect example of that, that his 40 years of faithful service and ministry there were a tremendous effort. You know, that, that was a tremendous difficulty uh, for him and his family that ended up in him paying the ultimate price. But that has resulted in the church being well-established in what was this very, very difficult missions frontier. And that continues to today. So there's tremendous uh, displacement of people uh, amid the civil war that's happening there. There's all kinds of death, there's tremendous poverty, and yet people are being reached for Christ. And, and that means that in the temporal world, this horrible, horrible situation is yielding eternal fruit. So that's the encouragement that can be had. We have all of the resources for the Day of the Christian Martyr. We'll give you a link if you come to vomradio.net. We've been talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Cole Richards. He is the president of Voice of the Martyrs. Cole, thanks for being our guest. Thanks for helping us understand how we can be impacted by the stories of those who gave their lives for Christ. Thanks, Todd. Bless you. We've been getting to know the heart behind the Day of the Christian Martyr, which is coming up on June 29th. We have links to resources on our website, vomradio.net. This year on the Day of the Christian Martyr, we're remembering the life of Pastor John Paul, who was killed in 2017 in the Central African Republic. To help us get to know more about his life, we're joined by Jeremy Malkin, He's the Deputy Regional Director of Africa for The Voice of the Martyrs. Soon after Pastor John Paul was martyred, Jeremy met with his widow to provide assistance and encouragement for her and for their family. He's going to tell us a little bit about Pastor John Paul and his ministry in the Central African Republic. Pastor John Paul, just as some background, Pastor John Paul Sakangui uh, planted a church back in 1993. Uh, which ended up being the only church remaining in this predominantly Muslim neighborhood in the capital of Bangui. Uh, as a result of the country's conflict, uh, nationals typically identify themselves as either being Muslim or Christian. Whether or not they even know who Christ is, they may be complete animists, you know, worshiping their own tribal ancestors or whatever the case may be, they will still identify as Christian um, because the country is so divided down religious and sectarian so lines. So if I'm not a Muslim, I must be a Christian. You must be a Those Christian. Those are the two choices. Pretty much, okay. typically speaking. Um, as a result, the capital of Bangui was basically split along these sectarian lines. And Pastor Sakangui's church was in the mainly Muslim area of town. Yet, Pastor Sakangui was determined to stay, um, as that's where God had called him back in 93, and where some of his congregation, um, who hadn't fled yet, um, you know, they, they were still there, and he didn't want to leave them. 
So he realized that there were threats. It was dangerous to stay. But if he were to leave, then his witness, the a Christian witness in that area would be diminished. And who knows, maybe all the believers would completely leave from that area. Well, on February 7th, 2017, uh, Pastor Sakangui was shot dead and stabbed outside his church. After Sakangui's murder, um, his house, which was right next to the church, was burned down and looted first. And then the church was also burned down and destroyed. What was interesting is I, I went to the CAR. It was, it was actually my first visit to the country um, back in February 2017. And talking to a local pastor, I had heard of, of his martyrdom, that he had recently been killed. And I, I didn't have much context at, of the CAR at the time. I was just learning what was going on. And so that night, we drive over to his wife's um, house. Her name is Mary. And it was dark. It was late at night. As we're driving over there, I, I was unsure about visiting because they were still in mourning. So this is like literally just a couple weeks afterwards? This was a couple days afterwards. Oh, my. Wow. Okay. It so, yeah, it's very fresh. Immediately after it happened. And I felt like I was imposing, mm -hmm. you know. Intruding, I, yeah. Intruding. Um, so we walk into and, – and what I expected, anticipated going into the situation uh, would was, you know, everybody would be morose. It would be just a, a lot of despair in the, in the atmosphere and, and probably wouldn't be able to talk to anyone. Well, we walk into the house – Stuffy room, you know, again, dark, no electricity, candlelight. And there's about 30 people, including some of their children, uh, surrounding Mary. Um, and they were, they were crying. They were comforting one another. But what I didn't expect was how open she was. And Mary, there's a big smile on her face. <laughs> and she was just thankful that she had more visitors. I couldn't believe it. I, I just you know, just a few days after this had occurred. And so she comes and we talk. And although there was there was sorrow over the loss of her husband, there was also a lot of joy. And she she recalled memories of um, Jean-Paul and and she would smile and just, you know, fond memories. And, and for Mary, I, I think what was kind of distinct about that situation was that like Jean-Paul, they were both called to that area together and they knew that there was a purpose in being there and they knew that the reality was they he could be killed or they could both be killed. And so it wasn't necessarily unexpected. Of course, it was extremely painful when it happened, but they saw that as a reality and it did happen. And after that meeting with Mary, we try to follow up with her, but nobody from VOM, we, we never saw her again, lost contact. The reason for that is they had a, a couple of their children were studying abroad at a university, and she apparently went to live with them. So we, we try to throw, follow up through local contacts, and they couldn't find her. But what I, what I make out of that situation, which, which is encouraging as we're honoring Pastor uh, Sakangui on the Martyrs Memorial here at the VOM headquarters is that it was 
it was an encounter that I never expected um, with his family and otherwise a name that we would likely never know. And so he represents hundreds, if not more, Christians who have been killed in the Central African Republic for their faith, including many pastors who were martyred just like he was for being committed, devoted to their congregations for the sake of the gospel in these difficult areas. The other names we'll probably never know until we're all together someday in heaven, but honoring him honors all of them. And there there was a six-week period when I was there. I had heard that Pastor Sakangui was only one of five pastors who had been killed during that period. And again, I, I don't know who those other pastors were either, but we know that there are many others. The thing that sticks out to me about his ministry is he had been there a long time. God had called him. He had served faithfully. Uh, and when it came time to lay down his life, he just served faithfully again. I mean, he just, that sense of faithfulness. And as you say, you know, when pastors in the neighborhood or, or, or in the city are getting killed, the natural response is, how are, how am I going to protect myself? You know, how, how this pastor was killed, this pastor was killed. I'm a pastor. What am I going to do? He just kept faithfully serving right along. And it's it's really amazing that that faithfulness it is it's incredible can you give us a little bit of a picture of what's happening in the central african republic today for for many of our listeners they may not know where it is they they have no idea it's not something we've talked about a lot here on voice the martyrs radio what is the situation especially as it relates to persecution to christians like this pastor being targeted the, the situation in the Central African Republic is very complex in many ways, which we don't need to get too much into now. But briefly, you, you had a coalition of, of Muslim rebel groups in the north back in 2012 who formed uh, into a rebel group called the Selica. And Selica means coalition in the local language. They eventually they went village to village, um, killing many, many people, and eventually took over the capital in a coup. Other local groups that were there to protect their villages, local uh, vigilante groups, basically young men with bows and arrows in, in many aspects, formed kind of a counter-rebel group called the Anti-Balika. And these guys, because it, the country is so split on sectarian lines, it's supposed that you're, if you're a Muslim, you sympathize with the Selica, and if you're a Christian or whatever, you sympathize with the Antibolica. Well, that's not the case at all. That's completely false. The Antibolica began doing revenge killings against Muslims, but they're primarily animists. If you look at the pictures, they're guys with machetes, and they're wearing charms around their neck, which are animistic tribal acts of worship, and they have no idea what Christianity even is. And yet, if you would ask them, because they're not Muslim, they would say, I'm a Christian? A lot of them would, because wow. that's, you're either a Christian or a Muslim in the country. And and so, you have these groups that begin killing each other. After the coup took place, the Selica began kind of dismantling because the coalition, within the coalition, they began fighting one another. As After they gained control, they they wanted more control. And it eventually dissolved. The UN came in. There have been elections since, 
Um, but the UN uh, provides much of the security in the country. So amidst all of this conflict, the civil war, you have not only pastors like Pastor Sakangui who have stand firm that are faithfully ministering um, and may be killed because a Muslim assumes he's with the anti balika or they're, although he, you know, obviously he's just a faithful believer, but according to many, you're either on one side or the other. But you also have a very strong local church presence who doesn't want to be associated with the conflict at all. Their desire is to, is to worship and to minister, to share the gospel, and that's probably about 30% of the population, I would say. Wow. So the Central African Republic was, has been evangelized, or their early missionary activity goes back well over 100 years. And so you, you do have a strong Christian influence, a strong church, and which has, has kind of mixed up in this, in this whole conflict. They remain faithful while the world falls apart around them. Where VOM's activities have really escalated um, in recent years have been more in the southeast of the country. So as, as some of the, these groups have dissolved in the capital and the UN presence has, has come in and um, some of them have made their way more east, and where entire Christian villages and towns have been completely driven out. And these are attacks where they come in in the middle of the night, um, people, they hear gunfire, people don't even have time to grab a shirt, you know, they hop out of bed. And start running. No shoes on, start running, and then flee to the bush, and they've been in the bush ever since. Some oh, of them wow. have been in the bush for more than a year. And initially, they live off of, you know, they dig up, roots uh, and boil roots and that that's the only food they have to eat they have they have no um, shelter in the rain and so our initial response to to some of that has been providing tarps and food and medicine and a number of different things because there's no one else caring for these people and to even address those needs um, it's it's an amazing logistical challenge uh, and <laughs> It, it's an incredible just to, to see how that's being done. But with the help of missionaries who have lived in that region and their relationships with local pastors in those areas, and these missionaries had to come out in mid-2017 because of these attacks that have occurred, um, but they've been coordinating a lot of this effort, and so it's been an, an amazing response. And But one thing I'd like to focus on when talking about the CAR is that, again, you have a predominantly Christian Christianized country, so to speak, where there has been a history of missionary activity. and But yet you have Islam encroaching from the north and pushing down on the church, trying to make its way south. And so in the southeast of the country, where these villages and towns have been, you know, pretty much driven, the Christians have been driven out, and now it's predominantly Muslims who are residing there. They've been taken over. They're not allowed back in. These, I mean, you're talking about 60,000, 70,000 Christian refugees that have fled from these areas. Um, so it's kind of this fault line where you're in the central of the continent. Islam continues to push its way south, but you have a, you have the, a strong Christian presence that, that needs to build a foundation. And so I've been really encouraged when talking to local pastors in these regions because one of their greatest concerns Admits the conflict is the next generation of the church. Who who are the young men and women who are going to step up? Who are the future pastors who are going to lead the church when 
there isn't much discipleship. You know, so many people are just concerned about what they're what they're going to eat that right. day, let alone making disciples. They're, they're and digging the for gospel. roots so they can have dinner. <laughs> That's, exactly. Uh, and so a, a a group of these guys in one particular town have just volunteered their time to disciple youth to take on those roles. And wow. there used to be a Bible college here there, but it, it shut down as a result of the conflict. So they they started meeting in an abandoned missionary's home that was turned over to the church and just made that their classrooms and started making disciples. Well, this vision has grown and the fact that their goal is to make disciples and see the future of the church is such an encouragement that it's not going to be pushed out and that it's it's pushing back and the gospel is going to continue to move forward. And their mindset, the Great Commission, is still on the forefront of their thoughts. It's hard not to think that some of those who are being discipled uh, will be the Pastor John Pauls in a few years who are faithfully serving even at the risk of their lives uh, because of that investment in them. Amen. You've been listening to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. This coming weekend is the Day of the Christian Martyr. You can find out more at vomradio.net. We've got resources. We've got some video resources as well uh, about Pastor John Paul. We have a video of the induction ceremony where we added his name to the Martyrs Memorial here at Voice of the Martyrs. I would encourage you, come take advantage of these resources and share them with a Christian friend or someone else who would be encouraged and inspired by the example of people like Pastor John Paul who are willing to lay down their lives rather than deny the name of Christ, rather than deny the ministry that he has called them to. Jeremy Malkin, thank you for being our guest this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you so much for having me, Todd. If you are just joining us and you missed any of today's conversation, I hope you will come and listen to all of it at vomradio.net. Next week, we're going to hear how the good news of the gospel is being broadcast around the world, including reaching into closed nations. I know you'll be encouraged by that, so please be back with us next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.